You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed mind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. This to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are, the Anarchist World this week. My name is Joseph Toscana. Kelly Whitworth, the world's greatest producer, is back on board. Yes, she is well. She was hit by a virus. And I'm here. I'm still here. I'm old. I give unsolicited advice. That's my specialty. Do you wonder what anarchism is all about? No, it's not what's happening in the streets of Australia or what's happening in the Ukraine or what's happening in Russia or China. Very simple concept, without rulers. It means anarchos without rulers. So the anarchist struggle is to create a society without rulers so we don't see people, you know, sacrificing millions of other people you know, on the altar of God, king and country. So what gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Very simple, inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve or share power. It's the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Very simple concepts. You don't need a PhD in anarchism to understand what it is. You don't need a PhD in life. Also, I'd like to thank all those people around the country that listen to the Anarchist World this week via the community radio network on their uh, community radio stations. It's a great institution, the Community Radio Network. It uh, broadcasts programs from across Australia, from community radio stations across Australia. And, uh, you know, we try to make the program as broad as possible, but sometimes we get bogged down in specific issues as this program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscani. You got any problems? Talk to me about them. But I don't want to hear about your money problems. I've got enough of my own. Okay. Unquestionably strong. I love listening to the members of the Reserve Bank, the Australian Reserve Bank, and I noticed as Credit Suisse kind of went down the plug hole and a few regional banks in the USA kind of put up the white flag that the deputy governor, not the governor, he's got a bad reputation as far as you know, foretelling the truth. Well, foretelling the future, forget about the truth. That's got very little to do with uh, finances. But it's about, you know, foretelling the future. Remember, we were supposed to still have... Zero interest rates till 2024, but that's a different story. So the Deputy Governor of the Reserve Bank comes out to, you know, soothe the feathers of you 
nervous Nellies with money in the bank and money in superannuation funds, which won't be many of my listeners, but or listeners, not my listeners, but listeners to the Anarchist World this week, but um, obviously there are a few out there, saying the Australian banks are incredibly strong. We know they're incredibly strong in terms of ripping off their customers, as we saw with the uh, Banking Royal Commission, and although there were some quite horrific stories, have you noticed not one banker has been charged with anything. But that's the beauty when you're too big to fail. Are they unquestionably strong? Is your money safe in the bank? Is your money safe in your superannuation fund? Those of you who were burnt in 2008 during the global financial crisis understand how quickly it all can come to nothing. So, are they unquestionably strong? Are the big four unquestionably strong in this country? Do they have enough liquidity, you like that word, liquidity, to prevent a a run on the banks? What happens if a few more banks, especially European banks, the way the uh, situation in Europe is currently, uh, kind of put up the white flag? Who knows? But it really highlights the crazy nature of capitalism. I mean, we've had these, what, 10, 10 consecutive interest rate rises, right? And this shows you how crazy this private investment for private profit crap is all about. You know, but the thing is, it may be crazy, but it does have significant impact on millions of people. So the Reserve Bank says we have inflation, all right? We have inflation. Now, to a significant degree, inflation in this country was caused to a significant degree by what we call logistic issues. COVID-19, difficult getting products, products went up in price, boom, boom, let's increase interest rates. Okay. So when you increase interest rates, you punish people like you. Now, you have noticed that the bank's profits have actually got bigger during this period, while your interest bills, if you've got a $500,000 mortgage, and many people do, have increased by over $1,000 in the last month, that's $12,000 a year, a bit hard to find sometimes, all that, all that money, you suffer. So it's very simple. Interest rates go up to curb inflation. What does that mean in black and white? Because they use all these fancy words, liquidity, financial markets, curb inflation. Well, it's simple, boys and girls. You're the problem. That's right. You're the problem. Not the investment class. Not the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Not the financial sector, which continues to amass extraordinary profits. No, you. You will suffer. So we increase interest rates. Okay, sounds good. That means that you pay more for your rent, you pay more for your house, so you'll spend less and that will bring down prices. Boom, boom. Okay, sounds brilliant, doesn't it? But (laughs) I'm sorry, you have to laugh. I know it's very sad. Inflation hasn't gone down. 
So what happens when you increase interest rates? Well, the investment class gets a little bit toey. And all those wonderful investors, that 8% of Australians who are, you know, have got disposable income to invest, especially in the housing market, increase rents, all right? Which you've got to pay. And your mortgage repayments increase. So what does that mean? By increasing interest rates to dampen inflation, you actually increase inflation. Because if you're paying more for your rent and you're paying more for your mortgage, that it contributes to the inflationary cycle. That's how crazy this shit is. Totally crazy. You make money out of thin air. You save banks that are too big to fail. At the end of the day, you carry the can. And at the same time, it's an economic system which is based on a simple concept. Now, I hear the poor old head of the United Nations crap on about the climate emergency and increasing temperature and the extraordinary impact it's going to have on human beings on the planet. But what has he got to deal with? He's got an economic system which encompasses the universe, well, Earth, hopefully not Mars, but Earth, that's based on a private investment for private profit motive. So what do you do? You exploit the environment, you increase greenhouse emissions, you uh, pocket the profits, socialise the losses. That's what you do. That's what capitalism is about. How can you have an economic system which is based on ever-increasing growth, profit for profit's sake, competition, which doesn't exist in the corporate sector, you know, so-called competition, and are you going to save the planet, boys and girls? Oh, green capitalism, that's another story. Crazy stuff. Now, those of you who tuned into the program Interstate may have not heard my little riddle, and my little riddle is... What do Tats Lotto and capitalism have in common? They have a lot in common when you think about it. Because Tats Lotto is based on the principle of a lot of people losing so a few can win big. It's that simple. I mean, that's what it's about. You know, you put in your numbers, you cross your fingers, your numbers don't come up, or you get a few numbers and you get a few dollars back. But every week... Somebody wins big at the expense of all the other mugs like you and me who buy Tats Lotto tickets. Now, obviously, you're pure and you don't, but unfortunately, I'm not pure. So, that's what Tats Lotto is about. It's the same with capitalism, especially when you follow it to its end point, and that is competition doesn't exist in a capitalist society which is dominated by corporate interests. We have a few companies dominating a particular sphere of human endeavour. There is no competition. doesn't exist. And that's the situation we find ourselves in. So, capitalism, private investment for private profit, is based on the same principle as Tatslotto. 
Some people get a big little prizes here and there. Some win big because the government gives them mineral resources to develop at bargain basement prices. And many, many, many people don't get anything back. And that's the situation we find ourselves in in 2023. Another question. I'm full of questions today, which I'm answering myself because obviously there's nobody else in the studio. You know, I've got to answer myself. Another question. What does a mass fish kill, Mundini in the uh, Darling River, have to do with us? Hmm? You see, nature is unforgiving. It's totally unforgiving. It doesn't care. It doesn't care if you or I die. Because ultimately, as I've told you on the program before, the secret of life, and I actually have worked it out, I worked it out years ago, the secret of life is very simple. It's a seven-letter word. It's what makes the world go around. And it's not love or some deity. It's compost. C-O-M-P-O-S-T. Everything is born, everything dies, and when we die, we add to the compost. And compost is what keeps life growing. I know it sounds very, very distressing, but that's the reality. See, nature doesn't care. It really does not care. It is not there for the human race. It is not there for the fish. It is not there to, you know, for some higher endeavour, whatever that may be. Nature does not care whether the human race exists or doesn't exist. And in many regards, it would be happy to get rid of that noxious weed, which is now dominating the planet. That's me and you, us. So what is the mass fish kill? What is that a sign of? Well, obviously, it's a sign of that nature is not able to cope. The fish died because they couldn't breathe. And it's the same with the climate emergency. If we continue to crap on about the fact that we need to build more gas, dig up more coal, do this, do that, that we need to grow for growth's sake, because that's the, that's the story of the Australian you know, economic miracle, it's the story of all the colonial settlements, you know, where we come in, remove the First Nations people, bring people in, exploit the environment, make a buck, bring more people in. It's the old Ponzi scheme. It's a human Ponzi scheme, right? So what happens in a climate emergency? Well, it's very simple. Like fish died in their hundreds of thousands, if not millions, it'll be the same as far as human beings are concerned. Because we are flesh, blood, bones. We need oxygen to survive. And if we soil 
our planet, which we love to do, we will find ourselves as a species in the same situation as the fish in the Darling River. I know it sounds extreme. I know you believe it'll never happen. But if you look at human history and the human civilizations that have come and gone, many, if not most, have gone to a significant degree because of the climate, because of the changes in the environment which were created by human beings. Now, that doesn't mean we can't all survive. I don't subscribe to the fact that we can't. 10 billion people can't survive on the planet and survive very well. We can. We can work in a different way. I mean, this is not a doom and gloom session. This is a session which highlights that as human beings, we are very, very capable of dealing with the issues that confront us as far as many issues are concerned, including the climate emergency. But we can't deal with these problems as long as we support a private investment for private profit ideology. Because that's all it is, it's just an ideology, just another ideology. As long as we support the concept of sovereign, the sovereign nation state. We are not going to solve those issues as we see around the world today. It's not going to change. It will not change unless there are fundamental changes and those fundamental changes are forced on human beings and they're forced through a variety of factors increasing population growth although some people say we will stabilize at 10 billion increasing co2 emissions finite resources although some people are getting ready to go to mars maybe a few dozen one day who knows? And the list goes on and on. So, the mass fish kill in the Dali, and it's a recurrent issue now, is a pointer to what will happen to us as a species if we continue on this journey that we've taken of growth for growth's sake, profit for profit's sake, exploitation of everything that moves, in order to make a buck, to support a financial system which ultimately makes a few very rich, a lot very nervous as the banking system wobbles, and a lot with nothing. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. Now, look here on the Australian, on the Anarchist. Uh, well, this week, we, we attempt to do little things, you know. We're just a minuscule group. And the people we broadcast to are a minuscule group. Look, if there's one thing I am at the age of 71 is I'm realistic. I am realistic about the situation we find ourselves in. But being a realist, I also believe that change is possible. If I didn't think change was possible, if I didn't believe you couldn't fight City Hall, if I didn't believe that uh, human beings are essentially cooperative, a cooperative species, I wouldn't be here. Why would I waste my time? Hmm? I can listen to my own voice in the bathroom if I want to. 
So, change is possible. But change is only possible when people are willing to look at that possibility. And what we try to do is we try to get involved with different groups and assist them to bring about change which makes people's lives better. And that's what anarchism is about. It's about sharing power, sharing wealth, breaking down hierarchy, creating a society based on cooperation, mutual aid, not competition and destruction. Let's move on. The Forgotten War, West Papua. Now, we all know about the Ukrainian war. Occasionally, we hear about the war in Yemen. Occasionally, we hear about other little wars breaking out around the world. But when do we hear about the war in West Papua, the West pa- the Forgotten War? Now, I know you've heard this before, but I'm going to tell you again because I would like to invite you on behalf of the Wren Collective to come along this Sunday, the 26th of March, at 1pm for a meal, listen to a few guest speakers and then get involved in the Rent Collective auction. Now, nine years ago, my late wife, Alan Jose, and myself were involved in a number of conversations with West Papuans, who were basically running their struggle for independence, a 60-year struggle, which continues today, which has resulted in the death of over half a million people from an indigenous population of just over a million, 70 kilometres from the Australian coastline, forgotten by the world, the West Papua independence struggle, and, and we felt that with the assistance of other people from the Anarchist Institute and other organisations, we created the Rent Collective. And the Rent Collective is one very simple function. It's to collect money to pay rent for an office in a reasonable part of town which can act as a de facto embassy for the West Papuan community. It's very simple. We raise the money they conduct their independent struggle in the way that they see fit. It's not our role to tell them how to conduct their independent struggle. So we are providing that financial support which allows them to conduct their independent struggle the way they see fit, the way they think they will be able to achieve independence from the state of of Indonesia. Because let's not forget, there's over 220,000 Indonesian troops deployed in West Papua, 60 years after West Papua was incorporated, after a bodgy act of inclusion, into the Indonesian uh, sovereign nation state. That's one Indonesian soldier in West Papua for every adult West Papuan male. Think about it. Wherever you live, you walk out of your house and for every adult male in your community, there is a stranger with a gun looking at you. Hmm? Think about it. So this Sunday, 26th of March, 1pm, 
is one of the very, very famous West Parkwent Rent Collective gatherings at 838 Collins Street, Docklands. Walk around to the back. It'll be full of people involved. If you're a West Parkwent Rent Collective member, and I'll speak about the Rent Collective in a second, you get a free lunch. If not, It'd be nice if you could donate a few dollars towards the lunch, usually about $15 just to cover the costs. And this time there'll be guest speakers as usual. Dr Jacob Rumbiak will give us an update on what's happening with the struggle. There will be, I understand there's a choir, a Dutch choir. The list goes on and on. And obviously at 3pm we have the infamous auction where we try to raise extra money for the West Papua Rent Collective because I know this sounds impossible, but we don't have enough members in the West Papuan Rent Collective. And we encourage people to donate a dollar a day. You can do it anonymously. You can do it every month. You can do it yearly. You won't get a tax deduction. But you do get three meals. Yeah, three of them at, at the three functions which are held every year to promote the West Papuan Rent Collective because this is almost the ninth year. I think in June, July, we reached nine years of supporting the West Papuan office. Now, whether West Papuan independence movement has moved forward or not is a matter for debate. I think it's moved forward. The West Papuan office here in Melbourne is a good foothold in the world community. It allows the West Papuans to um, promote their diplomatic efforts to bring West Papua's plight to the United Nations and allows them to pursue their struggle. For example, when we had the big climate uh, conference, whatever you call it, I've forgotten what it's called, the West Papuans were there and they presented a very simple thing. They said, if we gain independence, we will promote an agenda, an economic agenda, which is based on cooperation and sustainability. Simple. The first green, sovereign nation state in the history of the universe. So, if you live in Melbourne or outside Melbourne and you're in Melbourne on the 26th of March, please come along. If you want to become a member of the West Papua Rent Collective, give us a call. 0439 395 489 and if you've got a, a bit of money in your pocket although the Reserve Bank is doing the best to uh, decrease that amount come along for the auction at 3pm lunch at 1pm guest speakers at 2pm auction at 3pm there's a few there's a few interesting things up for auction there's a tea chest antique tea chest from Papua New Guinea there is a uh, a human piece of uh, Victorian mountain ash from Buchanan Caves, near the Buchanan Caves in East Gippsland. A, uh, there is a, um, how shall I put it, there is a, um, a, t- a ch- stool being hewn out of that Victorian mountain ash. There are a number of uh, rugs which have been hand quilted, tote bags which have been handmade. There's a uh, picture 
of a uh, painting, I should say, not a picture of painting, of a uh, bird of paradise, I think, from um, West Papua. I'm even, I know this is hard to believe, I'm even going to auction an anarchist media institute, anarchist world this week, you know, uh, anarchist world this week t-shirt. That's right. You can buy it for 35 bucks, but it's going to be much more because I'm going to sign it with the only t-shirt that's going to be I'm going to sign in the story and there's also a piece of timber from Central Africa and that's another story but it just goes on and on there's lots of stuff there good way to raise money but more importantly the backbone of the Ren Collective is not the auction the backbone of the Ren Collective is people joining the Rent Collective currently we're about 15 maybe 16 short people short that's a fair bit of money during a year. That's about $6,000 short. And what you know what happens when you don't pay your rent? You get evicted. So try before you buy. Come down. You're welcome. 1 p.m. this Sunday, 1 to 4 p.m. This Sunday, 838 Collins Street. You want further information, you can go to their website, you know, West Papuan office, or... You can uh, give us a ring on 0439 395 489. Guess what? Hercules is among us. I know. I finally lost me marbles. It is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. A-U. As I said, we try to do things as well as comment. It's all very easy to comment. It's very easy to have a podcast. It's very easy to have a radio program. It's very easy to run a newspaper, but it's much more difficult to make ideas into reality. I'll give you another example, another, another struggle we've supported for years now. Public housing, because public housing is everybody's business. If you listen to all the shit, and my apologies to shit because that's part of the compost brigade and it's very useful, so <laughs> I'll retract that statement. If you're, I was going to say garbage, but that's useful too. If you <laughs> listen to all the hot air, obviously hot air doesn't help most people, regarding the housing crisis, there is one word which is missing. Whether it's from our very own Prime Minister who was brought up in public housing, who was involved in the rent strike at the age of 12 because they were going to privatise the public housing he was in, who now is a great supporter of private housing. Whether it's our learned friends amongst the charitable brigade, you know, the charitable brigade that are making billions of dollars, you know, from uh, providing emergency housing, whether it's the homeless industry, whether it's your local politician. It goes on and on. Hot air, hot air, hot air. All right? Nobody mentions the word public housing. I mean, the in words are, and I love this, Social housing, affordable housing, inclusive housing. It's all privately owned, boys and girls. We are seeing the privatisation of public housing around the state, especially around the country, especially in Victoria and New South Wales. That at the very 
vanguard of the privatising what's left of the public housing sector. And every year it's the same story. Every year it's about increasing rents, increasing mortgages, increasing homelessness, governments kind of handing over the baton to the private sector, hoping against hope that the private sector will resolve the issue. Well, they won't. And you don't need to build monstrosities. You can spot purchase around the country. Great time to spot purchases. You know, interest rates are high. Governments have extraordinary amounts of money which comes from your pocket as taxpayers. Mm? And if you think you're not a taxpayer, if you paid you, if you know, if you live and you buy things, you're a taxpayer. Remember the goods and services tax. So what do we do about, well... I know it's a simple thing, it's not much, but we do our best. We're only minuscule people, minuscule group. Currently, every Thursday, midday to 1pm, we conduct a public housing vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, every Thursday. In April, we're going to change the, the times. In April... Every Wednesday from 6 to 7 p.m. we'll conduct a vigil. Sorry, the first Wednesday of the month. Let's get this right. In April from, you know, the, from the, uh, what, uh, 5th of April, 6th of April, that'll be the first, no, 5th of April will be the first Wednesday in uh, April. 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. we'll have a public housing vigil. And then the following week, We'll do it on a Thursday from 12 to 1 and the week after 12 to 1. And then on the last Wednesday of the month, we'll have a, a vigil on the Wednesday evening, 6 to 7 p.m. This is to allow people who go to work, who are wage slaves, to come and join us. Because public housing is everybody's business. You want further information? Go to the web pages. Sorry, the Facebook pages. Defend and Extend Public Housing. Public Housing, everybody's business. And uh, you'll see the days and the times. Because... It's a win-win situation. Even an idiot like me can understand how important public housing is. You've got increasing public housing stocks. You've got competition, the big word, the C word, competition between the private and public sector. Fewer people need to rent in the, in, in the private sector. Housing prices drop at the lower end. More people can come in. Public housing rents are 25% of income. That means there's more disposable income so people can buy more garbage to help, them, to help the uh, economy. Everybody wins. Less crime. If you've got a roof over your head, you're not in such a difficult situation. And I'm sick and tired of having to walk around people in the, in the, in the, in the cities and the suburbs who are sleeping rough, when there is no need for anybody to sleep rough in this country. Let's move on. Now, I have noticed, as I said before, Hercules has come into my life. Now, the Victorian Liberal Premier... No, sorry, my apologies. The Victorian Liberal Opposition Leader, Mr Pesuto, who uh, won narrowly against an independent in Hawthorne, that's a Melbourne electorate, is trying to clean out the Victorian Liberal Party Aegean stable. We saw a little bit of kerfuffle about a member of the Upper House, their Legislative Council, getting involved in a demonstration which had some 
surprising nasty elements to it, but that's something we'll talk about in a minute. And he's taken this opportunity to clean out the Victorian Liberal Party of all the garbage, and my apologies to garbage, that has infiltrated the party over the last decade and has made it into an unelectable rabble. So it'll be interesting to see whether the unelected rabble have the numbers to send Hercules out of the Aegean stables without cleaning it out. So I am waiting with bated breath to see because the previous leader in a conversation, a private conversation, basically said the Victorian Liberal Party is a lost cause. It has been infiltrated with some of the most reactionary, conservative elements of Australian society. Our branch structure is almost unmanageable. And the people that have been pre-selected that I have to work with are not worth a pinch of salt. So... Let's see whether Hercules Pesuto will be able to begin the job of cleaning out the Victorian Liberal Party Aegean stables. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, hashtag, 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 hashtag. Hug the bunya bunya. Now, over the last few weeks, we've become involved with a little community group based in Beaconsville that is fighting like mad to ensure that a historic home and a 144-year-old bunya-bunya tree, girth of five metres, height of over 25 metres, breadth of about 20 metres, isn't an historic home next to it, which was built in 1888, isn't demolished to put over some grotesque road thing. So we've created a hashtag, Hug the Bunya Bunya. We want you, that's right, again, we ask people to do things. I know it's a terrible thing. Because, see, you've got to remember... <coughs> Their struggle is our struggle because across the state of Victoria and the rest of the country... <coughs> oh, that was a cough. Where did that come from? Across the state of Victoria and the rest of the country, what we've seen is uh, local governments, state governments and federal governments basically bulldozing local groups, ignoring them, not interacting with them doing what they like, <laughs> passing legislation which removes all residents' rights, especially within so-called transport hubs in Victoria. And over the past year, the people of Beaconsfield <coughs> have been fighting a little fight to save a Bunya Bunya Pine and a historic railway house at Beaconsfield. At 20, <coughs> 20 Beaconsfield Avenue, Beaconsfield. 
they've had a little traction, but it seems like they're beginning to move. And there's a strong possibility that this particular campaign can be successful. So I'm encouraging you to join us. Yes, you've got to do things once again. If you listen to the Anarchist World this week, there's no point just listening. You don't just want to watch, do you? You actually want to get involved. I mean, you don't want to just listen. I mean, there's too many people who just listen and don't get involved. You know, look, you can listen and not get involved. That's fine. But if you really want to make a difference, you need to get involved. Now, this is a simple thing we're asking you to do. Midday, 2nd of April. That's a Sunday. Come along to 20 Beaconsfield Avenue, Beaconsfield, to have a picnic next to the historic railway house and Bunya Bunya Tree. And when you're there, get your picture taken, hugging the Bunya Bunya Tree and putting it on your ha on the hashtag hug the bunya bunya because this is a struggle about embarrassing the state government enough for them to stop plans from the railway you know whatever they called you know um, removal authority from actually destroying this tree and this house. Now, I know it's a local struggle. I know it's a tiny thing. I know it's not going to change the world. But it will change life for people in that suburb. Where the Bunya Bunya tree, or the Bunya, yeah, the Bunya Bunya tree has basically become a de facto symbol for that suburb. So, guess what? Guess what else is happening in the city of Melbourne on the 2nd of April, Sunday? The Vum Vum Grand Prix. So if you don't like the noise, well, come along to the picnic. Bring some food and drinks to share. Join people. Hug the Bunya Bunya. Show the state government and the local council, the Cadenia local council, that these people have support. And if you want to support them, go to their webpage. Save the Bunya Bunya Tree and Railway House Beaconsfield. We'll go to the new webpage which we've set up to support them. Friends of the <laughs> Save the Bunya Bunya Tree and Railway House Beaconsfield. Because ultimately, it's only people power that will push this struggle forward. It's not just about the Beaconsfield struggle. It's not just about hugging the Bunya Bunya tree. It's not a, just about saving the railway house. This is a much wider struggle. For far too long, local councils with minimal power and state governments with maximum power have been using the power they have invested in legislation to remove residents' rights across the state and across the country. And it's time that people fought back. Because local struggles 
teach people that they're not powerless. Although most local struggles have recently ended in failure because of the legislative overreach, especially by the Victorian state government, there is a very, very strong possibility that this particular struggle will succeed. And with your support over the next few weeks, we can push this over the line. So think about it. If you can't make it to the picnic at midday on Sunday, the 2nd of April, go down there. Have a picnic by yourself. Bring a friend. Take a selfie of you hugging the Bunya Bunya tree and let's make the hashtag save Hug, let's make the hashtag hug the bunya bunya go viral. Hug the bunya bunya. And if you know some boring, dull celebrity who makes millions of dollars from being a celebrity, all right, or is a celebrity for celebrity's sake, you know them, you're a friend of them, you're a fan, ask them to go down to the 20 Beaconsfield Avenue, Beaconsfield. And do the hashtag, hug the bunya bunya. It'll be more popular than a Congo line. I guarantee you. All right, let's move on. It just goes on and on and on. Looks, Look, boys and girls, I have to apologise. Yep, I'm going to apologise to you. Not because I've done anything wrong. I've done many things wrong in my life, but you don't know about that. You don't want to know about that. But I do apologise that the Labor Party and the Liberal Party federally privatised the Commonwealth Bank in the mid-1980s. Because, you know, big problem. Because if the major four are not unquestionably strong and the the fickle material hits the fan regarding all that lending that occurred at, you know, minimal interest rates as interest rates escalate rapidly and your superannuation funds and funds especially in the bank are going to get shaky. Because you see, when the Commonwealth Bank was privatised, you know, for a few hundred million dollars, bargain basement prices, selling shares at $2.30, I think they're about $100 these days, 50-fold increase, brilliant increase. When it was a privatised, something very important happened. In 1911, one of the world's first Labor governments created the Commonwealth Bank, which was publicly owned by the federal government to provide finance to small lenders because the big banks kept going bust and because they wouldn't provide finance to small lenders. Right? So when it was privatised almost 80, 90 years late, 80 years, 75 years later in the um, mid-1980s, something very important happened. While the Commonwealth Bank was publicly owned, what that meant is that the sovereign nation state of Australia actually guaranteed your funds. That's right. It guaranteed your funds. Once the Commonwealth Bank was privatised, 
there was no guarantee of your funds. But in an act of, you know, panic during the global financial crisis, the federal government passed legislation which guaranteed $250,000 of your fund in the bank. I know it sounds a lot of money, but when push comes to shove, it's not that, it's not that huge amount. So there is no general guarantee for your funds in a bank if it goes bust, apart from the first $250,000, which was forced on the government of the day because of the global financial crisis. So think about it. Think about it. There are always unintended consequences to privatisation. When the Commonwealth Bank was privatised, one, we lost that guarantee of funds in the bank. Two, competition decreased markedly in the private sector, which now had no competing public bank. And we saw prices, fees, charges escalate through the roof. Then the Commonwealth Bank was actually a profit-making entity which gave money back to the Treasury every year. That source of income decreased or disappeared overnight. So we had to look at alternative taxes like the goods and services tax which affect everybody. And the poorer you are, the greater the percentage of the money you spend, of, your, of the money you have, goes into a goods and services tax. So, boys and girls, I apologise. Yep. I've got nothing to apologise for because I, of me, like a lot of other little people, resisted the privatisation of the Commonwealth. We apologise because we failed in that particular struggle because everybody thought that privatisation was the way forward. And even now, 40 years later, you know, we've got the Victorian Labor government and other governments around this country privatising what isn't nailed down. Airports, ports, you name it. It's just disgusting. Now, I did ask one question at the beginning of the program. What do tax lotto and capitalism have in common? We answered that, and it was very simple. A lot lose, so a few can win. Now, I've got another question, which is a little bit more complex, but it's uh, critical, especially in a time of, you know, the acts, you know when we've got, we're talking about war. What do the 1837 Mile Creek Massacre and the charging of a former Afghan army veteran have in common? The charging with murder, you know, first time in Australian history. Uh, I know you know about Breaking Morant, but that was, uh, that was British history. Yeah. So what do they have in common? What do they have in common? Well, they've got a lot in common, and that's what his, that's why history is important. I'd like, oh, well, I'm talking like to thank all those people who came to the Paris Commune presentation, and there's going to be another presentation on the uh, on the 19th of April regarding the real heroes in World War One. But that's another story. So, what did the Mile Creek massacres and the charging with murder of a former Afghan Afghan army veteran have in common? Very simple. It's those at the coalface that always bear the brunt of prosecution. The Mile Creek Massacre of local Aboriginal people in New South Wales was carried out by ticket of leave men who were employed by squatters to clear the land. It was a brutal affair. 
brutal affair. They were charged with murder, they were acquitted, they were recharged after the British government, uh, House of Commons, was a little bit upset. They were found guilty and they were hung. Right? They carried out the atrocity. They were hung. But guess what? The squatters who ordered the atrocity were never questioned or charged. End of story. It's those at the end of the pecking order who were hung. Let's look at Afghanistan. 20-year war, supported by various Australian governments. Let's look at the culture of that war. Who's ultimately responsible? Is it the person who's alleged, allegedly murdered an Afghan person? Or is it his superior officers? Or is it the politicians who created that situation? Look at Mr John Howard. 20 years after the invasion of Iraq and the horrifying consequences of that invasion. He is a hero. A hero. Not prosecuted, but a hero. Think about it. There's a lot in common. It's usually the ones at the end of the pecking order who find themselves paying the price for orders which are given to them. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia of other community radio network. Lots of things happening. See you at one o'clock this Sunday at 838 Collins Street for the West Papuan Rent Collective Gathering. I expect millions of people there. Well, maybe a few hundred or maybe two. Well, lots of food. Come along. And if you want further information, you can go a number of uh, Facebook pages. Public housing, everybody's business, defend and extend public housing. Friends of the Bunya Bunya Tree and Railway House Beaconsfield. You can go to YouTube, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can go public you can join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest today. Go to the website, info at pipsy.net. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute website. You can go to the podcast, Anarchist Anarchist World this week and the list goes look there's a lot of stuff there but the important thing is you can listen to whatever you like you can you know you can get as angry as you like but if you keep sitting in that armchair keep clicking that button on your computer keep you know fiddling with your mobile phone nothing will change come along to the activities we organise come along to the activities other people organise ultimately power rests with you thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, listen in next week on your local community radio station. Sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10 a.m. every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Wash my hands. Oh,
Become a 3CR subscriber today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Be a part of your community radio station. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.